Good morning. If you would turn with me this morning, we'll be reading from James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. If you turn with me there, James 3, 13 to 18. And if you would like and are able, stand as we read uh, the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the wisdom that we find contained in it. And most of all, we thank you for sending us Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, uh, Lord, uh, you have called us to yourself to be your people. Uh, show us now how we can live wisely uh, in relationship with one another and as those who have been reconciled to you, our God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what is wisdom? What comes to mind when you think of wisdom? Is it good advice or common sense or just being really smart? Is it a pithy saying that you see on a bumper sticker? Is it a package deal that comes with age and gray hair? Is it smart financial management? Do we find wisdom from the words of people like Confucius, Socrates, Yoda, or Bono? Well, as we look at scripture, we see that God cares a lot about wisdom. Uh, there are many books devoted to wisdom uh, and full of wisdom, Proverbs uh, being one that comes to mind, uh, written by King Solomon. We see God's care for wisdom in First Kings, where King Solomon asks God for wisdom to rule Israel well. And it says God was very pleased by Solomon's request, and he granted it to him. Uh, and he made him the wisest man in all the earth, uh, so wise that he uh, received lavish success in prestige and recognition. People flocked around the known world to come to Solomon to seek his wisdom and sit at his feet. And yet, as we read the story of Solomon in Kings, Solomon's devotion to God proved double-minded. His heart was divided. Even while he was enjoying all the successes that the wisdom of God had given him. He pursued uh, many uh, women as wives who did not worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he allowed them to lead himself and the whole nation into idol worship, eventually resulting in division in the land. Now, even as we read the story of Solomon, we have good reason to believe and to trust that he, he did trust the Lord as his God and that he eventually did repent. And yet at this point in his life, was Solomon wise? 
Well, in a human sense, he was exceedingly wise. He navigated the world uh, well, the natural world. He received much success. And yet, before God, he was a fool. At this point, Solomon's wisdom was uh, duplicitous. It was double-minded, and it was self-seeking. Now, as we look at wisdom, we could say that wisdom is the art of living well in God's world. Uh, Yet, for uh, Solomon, uh, wisdom was the art of living well in his own world. Now, as we look at wisdom and living in God's world, we find much wisdom in Proverbs and in the fact that the law is written on our hearts. But after Christ's coming and the establishment of the kingdom of Christ, we see that wisdom changes a little bit. We wonder and we ask now, what does it mean for you and me to live well in this world as citizens of the kingdom of Christ? Now that Christ is seated on the throne of God over the church, what does it mean for you and I to now live wisely and to live well in the church in the world? And this is what, as we come to James, this is what James is speaking about in James 3, speaking to the church and saying, what does it mean to be wise? He asks the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Now we see in this passage that heavenly wisdom is wholehearted and sincere. It's not two-faced. It's not deceitful. Spiritual wisdom that James speaks about bears fruit of peace and unity, not division and strife. So in this passage, we will see that our heart and actions must be unified by wisdom. Our heart and our actions must be unified by wisdom. We'll look at this in three points today. Uh, The first, a two-faced wisdom. Second, wholehearted wisdom. And the third point, uh, we'll save and come back to later. Now, wisdom, we might think of as an abstract idea, something out there for philosophers to debate about, to talk about. We think of maybe Plato, Socrates, all these very head-in-the-clouds people and thinkers. And yet, as we look at James and God's word, we see that it's actually a very practical thing. It's something that you demonstrate by your actions. It's something that shapes Uh, your thoughts and your hearts, and it's something that you can experience. It shapes your thinking and it produces action. See, having wisdom, as we see in James, uh, it actually produces uh, humility. It causes you to be humble, and it results in good deeds that are done and accomplished humbly. James outlines in our passage a smooth transition from wisdom to practice. Wisdom, we could almost think of it's like a compass. Uh, Wherever you are in life, you may be in a desert, in the mountains, in a valley, in the forest. And yet your compass orients you to the reality of north. And so wherever you are, you can be oriented as you're making decisions in life with the reality um, that wisdom brings. And similarly, we are called to live wisely in light of the fact of, of our salvation, that Christ has saved us. He has saved you to be a part of his people and you are citizens in his kingdom. And this ought to be uh, realized then in our lives. And yet we see here in verse 14 that there is another form of wisdom, an alternate pseudo-wisdom, a wisdom that does not lead to humility, a wisdom that results in ungodly practice. This is two-faced wisdom 
It says one thing on one hand, and then it does the other thing. It is shaped by jealousy and selfish ambition. And for you and I, because we still fight sin, we live in a sinful world and still live with the presence of sin, even in Christ's community, we are not immune from this unspiritual wisdom, this foolishness. The word in verse 14, translated as selfish ambition, it's an unusual word in the Greek, and it relates his relation to politics. It likely has the meaning of someone who causes factions and is driven by greedy partisanship. Peter warns in First uh, Peter that selfish ambition and jealousy is the motivation behind many false preachers and teachers arising among the church. They arise and cause divisions among God's people simply so they can receive power and wealth and to gain a following. And yet, while it's easy to point fingers at the false teachers who do this so blatantly, we must look at our own hearts, as James calls us to do. We must search. And if we look in our hearts, we will see that we struggle with those same desires there. We harbor jealousy and selfish ambition. You may find this uh, even when you speak the truth to someone or serve them, that secretly you take pleasure in the fact that you are receiving attention and praise for your good deeds, rather than in simply serving the Lord in humility. Or perhaps one might spread novel ideas, things contrary to the word of God, in, an, in rebellion to the ministers that God has placed over them, uh, with the goal that they might gain attention, might gain a faction of people who respect them and follow them. Or perhaps you harbor jealousy at the gifts that the Lord has gifted to some uh, brother or sister or at the attention they receive. And secretly, uh, you wish that they might be undermined or that you would be elevated above them. This is not wisdom from above. James says this is no better than a slimy politician who says whatever is necessary to gain power, influence, and prestige. He says, if you, claim, uh, if you claim to have this wisdom when in fact you are acting out of selfish ambition and jealousy, you in fact lie against the truth. When we do this, we are two-faced, saying one thing, meaning another. It's like someone baking a poisoned cake and gifting it to someone. The gesture may appear kind at first, but the motive and the result are evil. James uses strong words for the hideousness of such wisdom. It is, he says, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It is earthly in the sense that it is bound to this earth. It doesn't see beyond the horizon. It doesn't see the bigger picture. It doesn't see heaven and the new creation beyond this world. This sort of wisdom does not consider God in the equation, let alone worship him. Earthly wisdom of such a sort elevates the creation above the creator. James goes on to say it is unspiritual because it is devoid of the Holy Spirit. A Christian regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit can still display unspiritual wisdom and we do it daily. Daily we act out of our sinful nature, not from the power of the Holy Spirit. And selfish ambition and jealousy, these are not fruits of the Spirit. So we ask, well, where, what is their origin? 
these fruits that cause division. James says, not only does this wisdom not come from the Holy Spirit, its origin is the devil. Satan's desire is to destroy the body of Christ. And deception and division are the tools that he especially has chosen for his purposes. Just as the snake spoke with a forked tongue in the Garden of Eden, uh, Satan still speaks in falsehood today to God's people with deceit. So when we gossip, when we act insincerely, when we seek to elevate ourselves above another, when we do not act in humility and devotion to the Lord and to his people, we become and act as the very tools of Satan. The end result of this is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. And its result is disorder and every vile practice. See, false wisdom we can use to justify our sin. We can use it to justify and hide grave and destructive sin from division to sexual immorality, to greed, to abuse, to hatred, to falsehood and lying. So truly, James calls you and I to consider our hearts and see that we walk and seek to walk in wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So what wisdom are we then to practice? If we are to avoid this sort of wisdom, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, what is it that we are to strive for? What are we to live as, as citizens of Christ's kingdoms, as members of his body, what is it that Christ calls us to live out? What paths does the compass of our salvation take us on? Well, James says it is wisdom from above, wisdom from heaven, wisdom of the new creation that is for us, the citizens of this kingdom. And who is the pattern of this wisdom but our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who lived perfectly. He lived purely in every moment and instance and circumstance of his life, from waking to sleeping, from times of peace to times of struggle, from preaching the message of his kingdom to paying his taxes. He wholeheartedly was devoted to his father. His wholehearted wisdom directed every single step. This is the heavenly wisdom that you and I are called to emulate. It is wholehearted wisdom. Wholehearted wisdom. James gives eight characteristics of this wisdom, beginning in verse 17. He says, first and foremost, wisdom is pure. Well, what does this mean? Well, pure, it is wholly devoted to God. Like fine gold, there's not intermingled in it uh, evil or sin, impurities of corruption. Just like dirty oil in a car is useless, you need clean oil to make the car run smoothly without funny noises and clunking sounds. Likewise, to live well in the kingdom of Christ uh, while on earth, we must seek to have a pure wisdom that we might live in harmony and order and peace and in love with one another, wholly devoted to Christ and to his people. Second reason, or second characteristic, heavenly wisdom is peaceable. Often as we look at the wisdom that the world gives, we do not find peace. Even in many forms of media, we look and see the wisdom that's being offered and so often it causes division, strife, unsurety. It causes hatred. This is not the wisdom that you are called to, and this is not the wisdom that is available for you in Christ. 
Christ instead calls you to love peace. Cherish and hold fast to the peace and the unity that we have in Christ. Now, when James says that we are to love peace and to be peaceable, this is not saying sacrifice the truth in order to maintain peace and to avoid struggle. No, this is a peace that is founded on the truth. We have been reconciled to God, you and I, and therefore we are reconciled to one another. The truth of the gospel is the foundation of the peace that we are to hold. So ultimately, we are to hold fast to the gospel and to maintain the unity and peace that the Spirit has given us. Wisdom, James goes on, is gentle. In other places of the New Testament, this word is contrasted with a violent temper, with being quarrelsome. Basically, we are to be even-keeled, temperate. Do not speak in bursts of emotion that would harm someone else, even when they have wronged you, but be gentle, forbearing with one another. This wisdom is open to reason. Essentially, this word means easily persuaded by good reason. This person recognizes the truth and submits to it. They are teachable not holding on to falsehood or ignorance uh, when confronted with wisdom and truth, but when they see wisdom, they accept it, they recognize it, and realize it for what it is. This is the opposite of someone who is uh, blown about like a leaf in the wind, one way than, than the other. No, they recognize wisdom, and they submit to it. They are humble and conform to the truth. This wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits, just before this passage, James spoke about the dangers of speech and how it can reveal the divided nature of our heart. He says, uh, can from one spring flow fresh water and salt water? Well, from the tongue, he says, both blessings and curses can flow. On the one hand, we bless God. On the other, we curse the very people that he has created in his image. This is a divided heart, like a spring pouring forth salt water and fresh. And yet, this is not how it should be, for a fig tree does not produce grapes, and a grape vine does not produce figs. And so godly wisdom produces godly fruit. It is undivided. It is pure. And the actions which flow from it are those of mercy and love, compassion to those around us, wise fruit. Wisdom is impartial, now, this word may be better translated as single-minded. This goes along with the eighth and final characteristic James gives in verse 17, that wisdom is sincere. Together, these two words wrap up what we began with, the first characteristic, that wisdom is pure. It's unmingled with evil and impurity. This wisdom is undivided. It's single-minded. It's free from hypocrisy. You can take it at face value. It's full of integrity. There's no selfishness lurking behind the smile, no ulterior agendas behind the advice, no scheming behind the service that is offered. No, this wisdom is sincere, and it produces a love and impartiality. Now, what is the fruit and result of this wisdom? This heavenly wisdom from above, James says it brings peace. It reaps a harvest of peace. It is, it, it is based on the truth that Christ has made peace between us and God. 
And as we understand that and grow in wisdom, we find that it brings internal peace. As the division and fragmentation of our heart, the war of sin, the fight with jealousy and selfish ambition is, is brought together and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And what is the outward result of this internal peace? It is peace within the body of Christ, free of divisions, submitted to Christ our head. And yet, even as we think about this, this pattern of wisdom that James gives us, which we see perfectly displayed in Christ, we'll find that we do not live up to this pattern. We find so much unspiritual, demonic wisdom, earthly, that does not consider our citizenship in the kingdom of Christ. As Paul writes in Romans, we are divided between the old man and the new, the old man of sin, the new man that is being made alive in Christ. As we are being sanctified, we are, uh, our sin nature wars against the spirit. We are like Jekyll and Hyde or like Harvey Dent. We are two-faced so often. Our wisdom is never fully pure. Our motives never fully sincere, but always mingled with sin, selfishness, jealousy. So what do we do then with our divided hearts? Are we hopeless? Well, no, we turn to Christ. For Christ is the wisdom of God. And he brings, which brings us then to the final and third point, wisdom incarnate. Christ is wisdom incarnate. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the wisdom of God. By his life, his death and resurrection, Jesus displayed God's wisdom, God's single-minded purpose. On the cross, God's justice and his mercy were brought together and perfectly displayed as Jesus died in our place, taking the penalty, the just penalty for our sin, and in exchange, giving us his righteousness so that God might extend to us mercy. That now if you trust in him, you are saved by grace. Now, how does this compare to alternative or the best wisdoms of the world, whether in Confucius, Socrates, Buddha, Gandhi, well, all of their wisdoms pale in comparison to the wisdom of Jesus Christ. While they may give good advice on how to live well in this world, maybe good wisdom that would make navigating this world easy, easier, and yet they do not reconcile us to God. Only in Jesus do we see the wisdom of God fully embodied. This is not some ethereal wisdom this is wisdom that you can see and touch, wisdom expressed in history, a wisdom so practical that men and women did see it, and we will see it one day, a wisdom that shows his love and mercy and justice and holiness through the Son, our Lord, or our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is also a wisdom so unexpected so surprising, seeming to be too good to be true, or even foolishness to those who do not believe and still live by unspiritual demonic wisdom. What kind of wisdom is this? How is it that victory could come through defeat? How could exaltation come through humiliation? 
How could salvation come through a substitute? Well, this is God's wisdom, and his wisdom has saved you. So as the Holy Spirit reveals in your heart your double-mindedness, turn to the voice of Christ. Even when you don't feel peace within yourself, even when you lose the fight to sin, even when there is disorder and division in the church, hear his voice. There is no tremor of deceit as he speaks to you. There is no secret regret that he feels in dying for you. There is no ulterior motive behind the grace that he freely offers as he extends his words to you week in and week out, saying, I have made peace between you and God, and he means it wholeheartedly. This is the wisdom of God. Even now, as today, as Ephesians says, the manifold wisdom of God is displayed in us, the church. As the Holy Spirit conforms you to be wholeheartedly like Christ, you get a foretaste of heaven. This is wisdom from above. A foretaste of heaven when you will be purely wise, when all there will be is peace. But until then, what do we do with our lack of wisdom? Well, if we turn back just a a page or two in our Bible, back in chapter one, James says, ask the Lord in prayer. And just as Solomon asked, if we asked, if we ask for wisdom, the Lord will be faithful to give it. And most, and we see this a wisdom in Christ and in his gospel. So people of God, are you wise? If so, demonstrate it by your actions, shaped by humility. Consider the purity of your wisdom. Is it wholehearted and devoted to the Lord? Seek to preserve the unity of the spirit. Be gentle with one another. Cherish the peace that you have with Christ and the peace that he has given between you and one another. Be sincere to the Lord and to his people. Yet know that you will have moments of duplicity when your devotion to God is sidetracked, takes a detour because of your selfish ambition and jealousy. But know that you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit whose power is able to grow you in wisdom in the same way that he grows you in obedience daily through sanctification. And know that the wisdom from above, Christ, the wisdom of God, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, he is with you by the Holy Spirit. Wisdom himself dwells with you by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who sowed peace in his blood and so created and reaped a harvest of peace, between us and the Father. This is the wisdom of God, and this is his wisdom for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder in your word that we live in light of the reality uh, that you have called us to as citizens of the kingdom of Christ, that you have reoriented our compasses to this reality Now may we live in light of that, live wisely in this world. May we not live in bitter, selfish ambition and jealousy, but may you grow us in peace and wisdom that we might be gentle and peaceable with one another. And give us comfort that even on the days when we fail, which we do daily, 
Remind us that through Christ, we have peace with you and that you have promised this to us wholeheartedly and irrevocably. So may we hold on to that this day and forevermore until we get to see wisdom face to face and peace is entirely restored within us and within one another in the new creation. We thank you and we look forward to this in Jesus' name. Amen.